Amen. Hallelujah. We started out um, some time ago talking about a father because we found out that God um, is our heavenly father, regardless of what kind of natural father we had. You could have had a perfect dad. You could have had an absent dad. You could have had an abusive dad. You could have had all kinds of dad. But that becomes irrelevant when you come into the body of Christ and you come to have a perfect father. You have a perfect dad whose love is poured out toward you, whose love is abundant toward you. His love is all goodness and grace, and he just wants to shower you with everything that is good and make your life wonderful and make it better than you could ever dream, hope, or imagine. That is your God. He is also your father. And so we started out talking about him being your father, and then we moved into loving the father. Loving the Father. And Pastor Jerry started out telling us about how we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, all strength. I'm doing this because you remember the chairs? He sat in one chair was a heart, one chair was a soul, one chair was a mind, one chair was a strength. And how we let, when we love God, we allow him to sit on those seats in our life on the seat of control, you know, in the way we think, in our emotions, in the, in the abilities that um, we operate in. We love God with all of those things. And then the next week, we talked about Mary and Martha and the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler was lacking one thing, and Mary had one thing that they said wouldn't be taken from her. And we found out that that one thing was a love and a passion for the Lord that that is the necessary thing, the needful thing in our life and in the body of Christ. We talked about how the, the um, nation is not only needing people born again, but they are needing to see a church that's in love with God, that everything about their life uh, demonstrates and shows and reveals who God is. And it's a people that love God that are bold, strong, and resemble God. Amen? So we talked about that one week. Then we talked about, Pastor Jerry brought out a Psalms 34, different ways to stir up loving God. Everything from rejoicing and praising God to seeking God. All these elements found in Psalm 34 that stirs up the love for God. We have to be stirred in it. You know, remember this, you have an enemy that doesn't want you to love God. And so we have to put on a resistance to that, that no, I love God. And sometimes we have to stir ourselves by just saying, I love God. Depending on what you're going through, you might have to say, I love God. Sometimes you say, I love God. And sometimes you say, I love God. Because when you start saying and declaring out your mouth, I love God, it puts a different reaction in your soul regarding this situation you're dealing with. Because when you've got something coming against you and on the inside you're going, I love God, I love God. The chaos is out here, but the peace of God is ruling and reigning right here because we love God. Amen. And then last week we ministered on something as well. I have to think, you know, I'm doing this all by memory. Okay, hallelujah. I, I'm trying to pass the test. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, 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 I had it, babe. Thank you for your help. Okay, hallelujah. We talked about how the love of God compels us. And what we, what we were talking about was the fact that don't go after God as an enforcer of do's or don'ts. Go after God because you love him, and then when you love him, it begins to change and alter your conduct and behavior. Because we're not about a religion of what we do do and what we can't do and all these orders we got to follow and these commands we got to keep. He said, just love the Lord, and that's the fulfillment of the law. Just love God, and when we love God, it makes a difference on our conduct and behavior. When we love God, it changes the way we act, the way we respond. So with that being said, I want to turn over to just one passage of Scripture before Pastor Jerry comes. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, but know this, 
that in the last days, perilous times will come. That means times of stress, times of difficulty, times of danger, times of grief, times of hardship. It says that those times will come, but it tells us why those times come. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal. I'm getting exhausted just reading this. Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. So that tells me there's possibility that this is in the church because there's a form of godliness, but denying its power and such from such people turn away. Now, when we read that, we read through all those bad things. And then we come to the last one. It says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But it's all about the placement of the comma. And so you could read that all of these things happen because people are not lovers of God. All of these things happen because people are lovers of God. Men will be lovers of themselves because they're not lovers of God. Men will be lovers of money because they're not lovers of God. Men will be boasters and proud because they're not lovers of God. They'll become blasphemers and disobedient to parents because they're not lovers of God. They'll become unthankful, unholy, unloving because they're not lovers of God. Now, um, we hate to think that we're in the church and not a lover of God. But what we have to recognize and realize that when we love God, it absolutely makes a difference on the confirmation of loving God that, that is uh, demonstrated in our life. Amen. If we go on to read this, men will be unforgiving because they're not lovers of God. If you love God, there becomes a mandate on you, I must forgive because I love him. Okay? Slanders. I'm not going to say that because I love God. Without self-control. With brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. We see these attributes out there in the world. And I can promise you, when you see these attributes, there is an absence of love for God. We talk about the fear of the Lord missing, but the fear of the Lord sometimes is initiated by the fact, first, we just love God. We love God. And so what we have to understand is these things happen because there is an absence of the love of God. But we can reverse that and say, well, this won't happen in my life. I won't experience the perilous times. I'm not going to have all those things happen because I love God. Because I love God, I am not going to be unthankful. Because I am loving God, I'm not unforgiving. And so because I am not unthankful and unloving and unforgiving, I'm not going to experience perilous times in the last days because I have determined to love God more than anything else in my life. And that keeps the times of peril away from me. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying today? But the love of God has to be our motivation. It has to be the place of initiation. I do these things because I love God. It has to be those things. And when then, when we get to the place where we love God, it creates an atmosphere in our life where this peril cannot get to us. It creates in us a passion to be in the place where God is dwelling and living. It creates a motivation in us to seek after God, to be driven toward God. If you are never driven toward God, if there's no motion in your heart toward God and toward his presence, it's a given that those things are going to creep up in your life. Because it's the place where God dwells where peril cannot touch. And to get into that place where God dwells, there has to be a motivation of loving God. It's not just the fact that we love God because we say we do, but we are in love with God and never want to abandon him. Amen? Hallelujah.
Lord, praise. Come on now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, please. And if we do this right, we should get all the way to Revelation before noon. Maybe not. No, just kidding. Somebody over here is like, really? He does that? No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Re uh, Genesis 3, please. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Hallelujah. As Trudy was bringing out, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about stirring up a love for God. And, and, and the more you love God, the more it creates change. Now, if you remember in the very beginning, we, we kind of brought our little wagon wheel back out here again, a little prop here. And um, what this is represents our life. Okay. Now, of course, there was only 12 spokes. We only had 12 little areas or whatever of our life, everything from family, marriage, finance, all that kind of stuff, you know, health, all kinds of stuff. So you know as well as I do that there's a lot more than just 12 things going on in your life. There's probably enough. We could have had probably about four of these wagon wheels up here, and we could sit here and try to spin these babies and see how much we can keep our life in, in check. But we found out from the very beginning of this thing that it only works because God's in the core. If God isn't in the core, then we struggle. We struggle in our marriage. We struggle with raising kids. We struggle in business, finance. We struggle with uh, church life and how to balance everything, how to, how to, how to uh, move forward and have a future and uh, all dreams and goals and how do you fit all this in. Without God in the core and the center, it becomes a lot of toil, a lot of stress, a lot of work. Can anybody relate? All three of you. Can anybody relate? That's the truth, all right? So uh, today we're going to talk about the presence of God and about, uh, you know, if, if we have a love for God, it, it ought to be moving us toward God in the area of communicating, amen, uh, you know, communing with God, fellowshipping with God, and what does that mean? So I want to talk about that today uh, and hopefully, again, give you another, uh, another glimpse of it from a different angle, praise God, but uh, Genesis 3 and verse 8, okay, what we have in context, this is, the, this is after Adam and Eve took the bait, so to speak, from the enemy. Uh, you know, took the fruit, and you know what happened. They fell, and now we got an issue going on. Didn't even take long, and now all of a sudden we got an issue. Got to chapter 3, and we've already got problems. Amen. But if you really understand or see this, this is going to open some things up, and you'll see that our, this represents our life. All yeah, right? So here we go. It says this in verse 8, and they heard, talking about Adam and Eve here, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You notice they hid themselves. You notice God didn't hide from them. You think God knew what happened? You think God was ignorant of what happened? No, God knew exactly what happened, all right? And God wasn't, wasn't hiding from them, all right? They were hiding from the Lord, all right? They were hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord God among, it says, the trees of the garden. Now, the word presence, let's bring this out because what I'm going to do, just kind of like we normally do up here, we're going to kind of define some things, bring some things out, bring clarity to what's going on because we can begin to take note, amen, in our own lives, amen, and take, take it as an example uh, in our own lives. So the word presence, it just means the face of or the countenance of. In fact, many times in Scripture, the word talks about uh, a man or a woman of faith uh, that would talk to the Lord face to face as one would talk to a friend. So it's talking about the presence, communing with God. Amen. So it means the face of or the countenance of, the forefront or front or form, the person of or the appearance of. Okay, and that's just all the synonyms that go to that word. But the bottom line is what it means is, amen, that God manifesting himself in a way that they knew he was there. All right? Well, you know, God is trying to communicate with you every day. And if we do this thing right, you will have an awareness of God being with you every day. Are you with me? All right. So let's back up and take a look at some of this. It said this in verse 8. They heard, uh, they said they heard the sound of the Lord. Now this word, in fact, some translations might even use the word voice, okay, because that's actually what it means. It means the voice. They heard the voice of the Lord. All right. So God is talking to them, the voice of the Lord. Now how many know God, the scriptures are real clear that God, wants to communicate with you every day. Amen. Hebrews 3, Hebrews 4 brings out real clear today if you will hear His voice. 
Hebrews 12 brings out, praise God, that God is trying to communicate on a daily basis. Amen. That you can't, you can't shun what God's trying to communicate from heaven to you. Amen. Uh, Jesus makes it real clear in John 10. He says, my sheep know my voice, hear my voice, and follow my voice. Amen. The scriptures are clear. He's made your ears to hear. It just might be we're not listening. Sometimes we're ignorant to what we have available to us, and sometimes we're not, it's not about ignorance. Sometimes it's just the fact we're ignoring what he's trying to say. That happens too. Man, we might get on that before it's over with. But the bottom line is God is trying to communicate, all right? So they, uh, they're hiding now. It says the voice or the, uh, the sound or the voice of the Lord, uh, Lord God walking in the garden. This word walking is very key. It just means to be conversant. So we're not necessarily seeing God, you know, going through, but what we're seeing is God is conversing, all right? The word means to be conversant, to keep company or association with. Amen. It talks about even a thing like this. It says uh, to, to make conversation with, and it literally means small talk. Now, God is trying to do that with you and me. Every day, God wants to communicate with you. And our hope before this service is up today, you'll understand the importance of daily communication with the Lord. And you'll also understand it's available. Now, they're hiding because of shame and guilt because of a mistake. The problem is we have a lot of the body of Christ doing the same thing. Still hiding from the presence of God. God is always wanting to communicate, and we're hiding because of something we did yesterday, yesteryear, yesterdecade. Jesus made a way. The Word said He became the mediator. Amen. He became the one that brought the two together, God and man. Jesus paid a price, so you will always, 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 did I say always? Always have access to the Father. See, there is such a, a misunderstanding about God. And Trudy tried to hammer on that a little bit today, and we try our best from this pulpit to give you a, an understanding of who our Father is. Our Father is not looking for a way to bring judgment on you. Our Father is looking for a way to communicate to get you free from whatever it is that has plagued you or tripped you up or whatever it may be. It always amazes me how we all know to receive Him as Lord so we can become heaven-bound. As soon as you get saved and make a mistake, you think somehow God is done with you. That's been taught out of some pulpits. It will never be taught from this pulpit. Are you hearing me? God is always looking to help you with your life. See, there are areas here that maybe work fine, and then there's other areas that are maybe not working so fine. But if he is the core, and what he's looking for is the same thing he did here, he is looking to come and converse with you. There's benefits to it. So it said here, he came uh, walking, it said here, what it say, walking in the garden, which I'll get back to that in just a second. Walking in the garden, it said, in the cool of the day. Everybody say the cool of the day. That doesn't mean like, yeah, I'm cool. But in the cool of the day. But the word actually, uh, the word cool here uh, means, uh, let's get it out here. Where do I got it here? Here it is. It, it is ruach is the Hebrew word, which means wind or the uh, resemblance of breath. In fact, if you back up into chapter 2 and verse 7, it said that when he formed Adam, okay, it said then he breathed the breath of life into Adam. And then Adam became what? A living being, right? Literally means a speaking spirit. Now, what God is trying to get across to us, in fact, the word says in the cool of the day, which means daily Operation. In other words, it's a thing that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. God, every day, was breathing into Adam and Eve. 
All of a sudden, this thing happens. Now they're hiding. God has still come to the garden to breathe into them, but they're hiding. God, every day, is looking to breathe into you. Without the breath of life every day, all of a sudden, this stuff starts falling apart. We try, we strive, we struggle, we try to make this work. We got this juggle act going, trying to get, keep every life. In fact, I told him, I said, what I should do is bring up about four wagon wheels with all the different things and just sit here the whole service and try to keep them spinning. Because that's most people's lives. Right? In fact, the whole time God has said, listen, we're not denying the fact that you got to, you know, keep things rolling. You got, you're responsible for things. You got things you're accountable for. You got family. You got kids. You got jobs. God knows all that. But see, if he's breathing into you every day, amen, and all that comes is through conversing with God. It lit, as I bring, I, I can't stress this enough. Small talk. He doesn't expect you to go, Durst thou knowest that ieth, needeth, ureth, helpeth, lordeth. He's not looking for everybody to talk Elizabethan English. He's not looking for you to be, you know, totally, you know, uh, connected to what every verse says. He just says, how about if we just talk? If my kids said, Dad, I'd like to talk to you. Would you please doeth meeth a favoreth? I'd say, kid, you got issues. <laughs> right? But if he just said, hey, Dad, I need some help. No problem. What do you need? See, God wants to communicate. God is just looking for you to communicate. As you begin to communicate as God is breathing life into you, all of a sudden you get insight and help. In fact, uh, Job in 32 is a kind of a key verse. Uh, you have Eliahu, who is a, a young man who is conversing with Job and all the guys as they sit and boo-hoo about everything that's going on. Eliahu has a, a word from God and starts kind of dealing with him about, hey, knock it off. This ain't getting you, this ain't working. But he makes a comment. And he says, by the breath of God, I have understanding. In other words, I have some insight because I'm allowing God to breathe into me. I'm spending some time with him and communicating with him, and he's showing me things. In chapter 33, he's still talking, Elihu's still talking, and he, he brings out the fact that the breath of God is what gives me life. It's what gives me vibrancy. Some of you are trying to keep your walk in God going, what are you doing, kid? I'm just trying to keep my, I'm trying to stay on fire for God. How about just spend a little time with God? Spend a little time with God, all of a sudden, not only do you have understanding and some insight, but praise God, you got life, you got vibrancy, praise God. All of a sudden, that fire of God, You know that list that Trudy mentioned earlier out of 2 Timothy? That whole list of stuff that you shouldn't do? See, if you don't have, if you don't have, you know, God breathing in, into you every day, if you don't connect with God, what happens is all that stuff begins to happen. And you're sitting here as a Christian knowing I shouldn't act that way. I shouldn't conduct my life that way. I shouldn't talk that way. I shouldn't think that way. And, I, and you're sitting there trying to, in a sense, trying to keep your life moving forward in God when all along God says, you're just making this way too hard. If you just let me breathe into you, you'll be amazed at how life will become. You know, when I first got saved, believe me, my issues had issues. Uh, and I was told many times about, you know, you should live different. And, uh, you know, it really didn't work. It, you know, I knew it, you know, when I got saved and, uh, you know, I was grateful that I got saved, but um, I was pretty driven by hell in a lot of areas of my life. And as a result of it, you know, even after I got saved, I still, because of habits and all kinds of things like that, 
struggled with a few areas. And I'm knowing in my own mind that this isn't right. I shouldn't act this way. I shouldn't talk this way. I shouldn't smoke that. I shouldn't drink that. I shouldn't this. I shouldn't that. But when I met him in the area of intimacy and presence, I'd already accepted him as my Lord. But when I came into a place of communing with him, knowing that he wanted to communicate with me and taking the time to discipline myself to hear some things, as I did, all the junk fell off. It wasn't because somebody told me to stop it. I already knew I should stop it. Now, I'm trying to help you here because, it, you know, somebody says, you need to preach more about sin. No, if I preach more about sin, everybody gets focused on sin, and then we have sin problems. But if you focus more about presence, more about God wanting to spend time with you, all it takes is one, I mean, all it takes is one visit with Him. And a lot of that mess will just fall off. And you're not sitting here straining and struggling. See, that's why most Christians are still hiding from presence. Because they struggle in an area. They don't feel they're where they should be in God. So what happens is they don't want to communicate with God because they're concerned that as soon as I communicate with God, He's going to hammer on me about all the things I'm doing wrong. No, God is trying to help fix it. He's your answer. He will always be your answer. He is always good. The devil is bad. God is good. Huh. Are you with me? And the more time you spend with him, the more all the junk falls off. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. All right, let's get back to this. So he heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God is still doing it. Adam and his, and his wife Eve here hid themselves from the presence of the Lord huh? among Let's say among the trees of the garden. Well, what's the trees of the garden got to do with it? Well, the scripture says that they, they were asked, Adam and Eve was asked to tend to the trees. If you get back a chapter, you start reading that that was their job. That's, that was part of their responsibility. So what they're doing is they're hiding amongst the responsibilities and the things they're accountable for. Because this is what we do. I'd love to get, you know, have a relationship with God, but I got a job, man. I'd love to, but you know, <laughs> I got a family to raise. You know, I got all these other responsibilities, man. Somebody's got to bring home the bacon. We hide amongst the trees. It's time to come out from amongst the trees and walk with him in the cool of the day. In the garden. Come on, can I hear a big amen? Are you still with me? All right, let's look at some things here. All right, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, let God breathe on you, will you? I brought this out in the early service because just something that came to me. But uh, uh, shallow breathing, you ever heard of that phrase? They talk about shallow breathing. It's usually, you know, a state where, like, say, maybe they're in the hospital or something, and they have, because of shallow breathing, their lungs fill up, and all that, you know, I mean, they have a lot of issues and problems because they call it shallow breathing. Well, there's a lot of shallow breathing going on in the church. Not enough God breathing into them. So what happens is, the script, or not scriptures, but the uh, uh, doctors, whatever, I've looked it up on I don't know what wiki, what do you call it? Wiki, 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 wiki. Thank you, Wikipedia. And they said, the problem with shallow breathing is it creates physical problems. Now, this is Jerry's condensed version. It lists all the problems. But it definitely affects you physically, the lungs, things like that. But then it says also anxiety disorders come from shallow breathing. I thought, wow. And I thought, all I could think about when I, when I read that was, it brought me back to the wheel. And I thought about how many things we stress over, get anxiety, we panic about. Things that go on, which we have no business panicking. You should not be in, in, in stress and all caught up in, in, in anxiety about life. We have people, they, I mean, they're still teenagers, and they're all caught up in anxiety about life. 
Anybody hearing me? We get, I mean, just, and some people think if I don't have something to worry about, you know, there's something wrong. No, you don't have to worry about stuff. You don't have to be caught up. Listen, we just need to do a little more breathing. Breathe in the breath of God. If we will do more of that, we will have less anxiety, less stress, less toil. It's called garden living. Stress-free living. Garden living. The garden. Everybody say the garden. Now, if you look up the word garden in this verse, it just says the garden of the Lord or whatever, but it refers to the place of Eden, right? In fact, the chapter earlier, it says the garden was in Eden, all right, which is key, okay? So the word Eden, okay, in the Hebrew, okay, if you are uh, uh, aware of the Hebrew language, Hebrew language is actually kind of a powerful language. Uh, each letter in the Hebrew language actually is like a word in itself or a picture, primarily a picture. And the word Eden, when you uh, break it down in the Hebrew, it means this, a momentary spot or place where his presence is an open door to heaven. That's what it means. That's what Eden means. So that's why Eden is no longer found in that location. You can have Eden in home. You can just step into the presence of God talking and communicating with God, and tap Eden. And the more that you communicate with God in the place of Eden, the more Eden gets on you. That's the key. We want to get more of God. We want to get the life of God. We want to get that abundant life Jesus called it. Amen. Paul called it the life of God. Amen. The psalmist called it the blessed life. Come on. What does that all come from? It comes from time spent with God. And that makes all that work right. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's look at this. It said they hid uh, from the presence of the Lord, uh, Lord God, among the trees. All right? They hid. Now, how many know we're not supposed to hide anymore? So smile real big at your neighbor and say, no more hiding. No more hiding. Just, just spend time with him, right? No more hiding. All right? You, you, Jesus made a way. And, and there's no reason for you to hide anymore. Just all you got to do is start communicating. Now, I've got friends. Um, believe it or not, I do. I know. It's amazing. Uh, some people are saved. Most of them probably saved the circles I run in. But I do have a few folks that they're about as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. They're still friends. Still communicate with them. And soon we're going to change that snowstorm for them. Come on, somebody. And get them in the kingdom. Come on. It's working. It's, it's coming. But the point I'm trying to make is this, okay? All right? I have friends. Now, how do they become friends? We communicate. Text. Talk. Go hang out. Go have breakfast. Go have lunch. Come on. Amen. It isn't hard. It's not hard being a friend. Some say, well, and primarily it's not. You know, my wife was my best friend before I married her because we, we like to talk. We communicated. I didn't go to her and go, Dear Trudy, Woodeth youeth liketh, to hangeth with meeth. No, I just say, Hey, you want to go hang out? Want to go cruise the loop? She always said, Yeah, baby. <laughs> nah, she's never said that. Okay, it really didn't happen that way. But anyway, I, the guy can dream. But anyway, amen. We just taught, we communicated. And you know what? Even when we weren't hanging out, we usually were on the phone. We even had those moments where we just breathed. You ever had those times? Some of you may don't even know what we're talking about. You think, why do we even call each other? But we just sat there. What's she doing? Uh, what do you want to do tomorrow? Cool. What are you doing? Being a friend. Communicating. Come on, it ain't hard. The point I'm trying to make is it's not hard to be God's friend. It's not hard. God's looking for small talk. Just Let's just start talking. 
And the more you, your ear becomes in tune, amen, the more you dial in that, that, that sensitivity to pick up the voice, pretty soon the Spirit of God, I mean, you're picking up on it, you're hearing it, God starts talking about little things, starts talking about your life, talking about your health, talking about your finance, talking about your marriage, talking about your kids. I got the spits going on and everything. Amen. But God will start communicating with you. And all of a sudden, the stress, the anxiety, it all leaves. You don't have to hide from God. God wants to talk with you. Smile real big at your neighbor and say, yes, even you. The psalmist said in Psalms 27 and 8, <clears throat> said, you said, seek my face. And my heart said, amen, not your face, Lord, I'm going to seek. As you said, again, go after you, that's what I'm going to do then. The word face means, again, countenance or presence. James said the same thing, draw near to God, and guess what? He draws near to you. But he got to get you to draw near to him. Uh, I don't know, a day or so ago, the Spirit of God said this, the more we purpose to pursue him, the more we pursue for purpose. In other words, the more I go after him, the more I begin to find out who I am, what I need to do, how to do it. And get this, the more I go after him, the more addicted to him I get. Now, I am talking to the church, and I have talked many times to this congregation especially about presence, and I just wish people would do it. Smile real big as your neighbor say, not me, I'm doing it. I've found, listen, I've found most Christians do not spend time with God. That is sad. We have our little wish list sometimes. We might present to him. We might have our now I lay me down to sleep prayer. We might have now I bless, bless my food prayer. But God is looking for personal, intimate contact with you. Just talk and you will be amazed at what begins to come out of it. Psalmist said in Psalms 140 and verse 13, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. That has never changed. Presence is always available. I know I skipped a verse, but I'm going to do that. Put Isaiah 51 up there, if you will. Isaiah 51, and I'm going to read a verse out of that. In verse 3, please. Let me get turned to it here. It says this, For the Lord will comfort Zion. Now, Zion is, is the type of, of the church, you and me, okay? The Lord will comfort Zion. Everybody say, praise the Lord. He will comfort all, here we go, he will comfort all her, that literally means to restore or avenge, he will comfort all her waste places, means drought or something desolate. He will make her wilderness, which means literally driven in a, a pasture, uh, driven in a pasture without, in other words, something that, that doesn't have, it's a, it's a dead, dead land out there is what it's talking about. He will make her wilderness like what? Eden. And her desert, literally means sterile valley, Okay, you, you got to know what these words mean. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. So in other words, every bad thing in your life can be changed. And if you, get, you hang out with him, amen, in Eden, Eden gets on you and changes everything around you. All of a sudden it says here, joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody or a song, amen, will happen, praise God. Things are going to shift. All we got to do is get you to talk and communicate. I don't know if you know this. I don't have this massive vocabulary. I know it's hard to imagine. Sometimes I make up words as we go. Used to have somebody in the congregation, they used to have in the back of their Bible all these words that I made up. Because I had a bunch of them. The point is, there ain't nothing about my vocab that's going to be, you know, impressive to God. Believe me. It ain't even impressive to my own family. So anyway, 
The point is this, okay? It isn't about, again, it doesn't come down to, I, I better know all the scriptures before I talk to them. I better have my life in order before I talk to them. I better make sure that all my uh, ducks are in a row before I go and talk to him. No, God says, why don't you just come talk to me and we'll get all the ducks worked out and beavers. Is anybody hearing me? We just got to get you to come and communicate, praise God. Now, let's look at some things here. The reason I wanted to read this is because when you begin to tap presence, just communicate and fellowship with God, everything just begins to shift. It automatically does. Okay? So let's look at some references, and then we'll let you go. Exodus 33, please. Exodus 33. And what we have here is Moses communicating with God. In fact, the scripture earlier on here, it talks about he talks to, uh, to God face-to-face as, as with a friend. So it's, it's very obvious he's communicating with God. But God said this to him, and just for sake of time, we're going to read it and kind of move on, just take the meat out of it. It said this, my presence, everybody say presence. My presence will go with you, Moses, that's who he's talking to, and I will give you, here we go, rest. Now that doesn't mean, you know, more time on the pillow. Although that might be nice once in a while. Here we go. The word rest, okay, is nuach, is the Hebrew word, which means um, a quietness, a settling down, a, a giving of comfort. But get this, it means cease from toil and stress. Now, think about that with, all, with life going on. Okay, I got all this stuff that's working on me. I got all this. I got this list of things I got to get done. I'm responsible for this, accountable for this. I got this happening, that going on. Now, all of a sudden, I got a call from one of the kids. I got to bring this. I got to do this. I got to handle this. I got to take care of this. And then we went off and had another kid. And it starts all over again or whatever, okay? Or I got I to maintain these two jobs in order to blah, 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 whatever. We go on and all the stuff. The point is this. Time spent with God brings rest. A cease from the toil, come on, and the stress. Time spent with God will bring that around. Time spent with God will cause the stress to go. It, Christians should not be stressed out. Now listen, I ain't here to condemn anybody. That's not my point. I just, I just know if you're stressing out, you need a little time with him. Say, well, yeah, it's easy to say for you, you're the preacher. Listen, I'm only the preacher because I spend time with him. Otherwise, I wouldn't be the preacher. Believe me. I mentioned this, and I've said it before, that the lifespan of of most ministers, primarily pastors, they refer to pastors, Lifespan in ministry is about three years. Three years? What? Well, what, how does that happen? No presence. We're here trying to do a good deed, trying to help people, trying to you know, do what we can, praying for this, praying for that, visiting here, visiting there, going here, going there. I better get back up there and preach this. Better say that. Better do this. Got to pray again. Got to do this. Got to answer the phone. Got to counsel. Got to this. Got to that. If you ain't got presence, dude, you're done in three years. It's over with. And it ain't just preachers. So you got to have presence. Are you with me? He said you'll have rest. Amen. Cease from toil and stress. Psalm 16. Better keep moving. Psalm 16. Let's kind of hit him and move on. But Psalm 16 in verse 11 here. It says, you will show me the path of life. And that word life there just means a living thing or vibrancy, freshness, life, being alive. Okay, you will show me the path of life, right? Here we go. In your presence. Here it is. This is where it is. In your presence. Everybody say presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Which means literally that fullness means a satisfaction or a satisfying of joy, which means everything from... uh, Exceeding joyfulness to gladness, festive, joyous. But get this, it refers to overriding tension.
I've seen more marriage destroyed because of tension. If we would just spend a little time in the presence of God, there'd be a relief, an override from the tension. I've seen more relationships destroyed because of tension. A little time with the Spirit of God, tension goes. All of a sudden, you have clarity. You have a little work on you. God gives you an answer, gives you understanding. Amen. Bring some virus. It brings some life back to you. Praise God. I, always, I can never figure out when you, got, you get people get born again, and they're like on fire, man. It's like, ah, What happened to you? I got born again, man. I got saved. God is my God. Hell yeah. I'm going to heaven. Then about a month into it, you're like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I don't know. A lot of stuff going on. What happened to the guy a month ago? I don't know. I guess he got wise. No, I'd say he got stupid. Huh? See, no time with God. And what happens? You lose your fire. You lose all of that. I know it's none of you. It's all them first service people. That's what I'm talking about. Fullness of joy. And here we go. Pleasures forevermore. The word pleasures means that which is delightful or pleasing or sweet. Come on. The word... um, refers to a deep personal satisfaction again, okay? In fact, it's kind of what we kind of always think about in this is like Psalms 34 and 8 when it talks about trust, uh, or probably taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the, what is that about? About bringing satisfaction, okay? So what does this mean? Well, it means that everything that brings true satisfaction in our lives is going to be found in Him. Everything. Not in stuff. Listen, there's nothing wrong with stuff. In fact, I think your garage should be full. If you don't have a garage, you should have a garage. Somebody says, whoa, Pastor. No. See, it's not the stuff that's the problem. It's no true satisfaction coming in from where it should come in. And if you think the boat's going to bring it or the bike's going to bring it, come on, or the stuff's going to bring it. Listen, if I just had one one more new outfit, my life would be great. Listen, nothing wrong with the new outfit. Are you hearing me? See, it ain't in stuff. It's not in things. You know, if I got married, if I find the right girl, woo! Listen, if you don't, hmm. I'm just saying. See, it's not in stuff. It's not in things. It's not in relation. That's not where you get your true satisfaction. You get your true satisfaction in Him. And if you get in Him, the relationships work. The stuff is okay. It all keeps its place. Come on, somebody. It doesn't own you. You own it, praise God. That's how the stuff works. See, God wants you blessed, but you got to understand the true, the true source of full satisfaction is only found in Him. And it makes everything else work. Let's look at another one in Psalms here. You doing okay? Oh, boy. Okay, Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 89. Just got a couple more to do here. Psalms 89. Better get to it there. Verse 14 and 15. It says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Okay, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Mercy. Everybody say mercy. And truth. Everybody say truth. Go before your face. Literally, it means your presence. That word face is presence. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light or the countenance or the illumination, amen, or the brightness of your countenance. It's the same word, presence. So what we find is mercy and truth. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Well, mercy is the word hasid, is the Hebrew word. It just means covenant kindness, compassion, refers to things like godly favor or goodly deeds. Okay. The word truth, imath, okay, or imath. Okay, is the Hebrew word, which means stability, sureness, certainty, rightness. It even refers to things like being trustworthy and faithful. The point I'm trying to make is this, that the best way to get a Christian to live like a Christian is found in him, period. 
If you want to walk in that kind of compassion and love, you want to walk in that kind of stability and strength, it's in Him. We spend way too much time with our list of do's and don'ts and just spend time with Him, and I guarantee you, you will be empowered to do the do's and empowered to not do the don'ts. But it's in Him where there's mercy and truth. And it's talking about an empowerment that comes on you when you spend time with Him. A little bit of time with God and all of a sudden your life's different. All of a sudden, you know, that thing I struggled, that addiction I was having a problem with, I don't have a problem with it. All of a sudden, bang! I remember the, I mean, I remember with tobacco, it was like, I mean, I thought, you know, Christians should at least be able to chew. You know, we got, you know, the drugs that made sense. Okay, don't do dope. Okay. But okay, that probably makes sense. And where I grew up, even Christians drank, so I thought it was okay to drink. And then it kind of got that scratchy feeling inside all the time about you probably shouldn't do that either. And, you know, and after, you know, hooking up with certain people, and I thought, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing that. But, I mean, at least a guy can have his chew. Get your hands off my chew. But, you know, by this time, I'm spending time with God, and, and God seems to love me. Who'd have thought? Well, anyway, so I'm spending time with God and talking to God, and, and I remember I, I remember it just as if it happened yesterday. I, well, it wasn't yesterday. It was a long time ago, but just, all right. But anyway, the point is this. Some of you are like, I knew it. That was years ago. All right. But anyway, the point is this. Amen. I remember loading up a dip, shoving it in the lip, spit off a little excess, and the Spirit of God said, what are you doing? Everybody say, praise God for presence. Spirit of God goes, what are you doing, Jerry? Nothing. I already got conviction. Nothing. No, what are you doing? Why? Listen, I'm serious. He goes, you know, you're telling everybody around you how I can set them free from anything, and yet you got to put that stuff in your lip. That's what he said. And I go, yeah. Well, do you need it? I guess at that moment I thought, I don't. And I got what he was saying. It wasn't like somebody hammering on me. Just God just brought it up. And I just leaned over the same trash can, and I just spit it out. And I'd been chewing for years. I was done. The grace of God was right there, the empowerment right there to do it. Because he talked to me about it, and I followed through with it, and all of a sudden I was free. Now, I ain't saying this and preaching this because of all you who are chewing and smoking and I'm telling you, let God be the one to talk to you and walk you through this. And when God does, the condemnation, the guilt, the shame is gone, it's done, and you can walk free. I ain't encouraging you to do it either. Did I make that clear, Rick? Right, okay, all right. I'm just telling you that when God gets involved, it's amazing how all of a sudden it's it's easier to live this thing. And you don't feel like it's a list of do's and don'ts. Can you handle one more? Acts 3, please. Let's go back to the new covenant here. Acts 3, and we'll close it up here. Praise the Lord. Am I boring you today? All right. Acts 3, repent, therefore, and be converted. In other words, all that means is a change of mind. Anytime you see the word repent, that's what it means. Stop, turn, go the other way, please. Amen. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Praise the Lord. So that. Everybody say, so that. So that times of refreshing may come from where? Presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. The word times here is the word kairos, which is a powerful word because it just means when kairos manifests, it's a moment of time. But when kairos manifests, that means life is different. From that moment on, life's different. So times of refreshing. The word refreshing means this, reviving. A revival, recovery, literally means a recovery of breath. You spend time with God, all of a sudden, recovery of breath. 
a reviving goes on. And he goes on to say this, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must, re- uh, must receive until, here we go, the time, same word, of restoration of all things. Amen. Restoration, restitution, a returning or making good or making whole of something. To restore as it should be. Get this. Here's all the synonyms to this word. Renew, redeem, replace, recover, return, repair, revive, re- resurrect, recovery. All of these rewords. Meaning this. Time with God can turn things around. God will restore things. God will mend things. God will revive things. Amen. If we could just... Get people to spend time in His presence. And it starts with communicating. Pastor, I heard you preach this before. I know you have. Now we need to do it. Now listen, I ain't down on anybody. I ain't upset with anybody. I'm just, it's just the facts. I've taught on this many times, a hundred times probably from behind this pulpit, well, maybe 100 might be an exaggeration, but a lot of times. And the point is this, okay? It takes time spent with God to make this stuff work. Otherwise, life just gets very complicated. And what happens is you sit here and strain and struggle at trying to keep life spinning. And you're not going to be successful if He's not the core. So you're going to struggle and, and how you do this, how you do that, how you parent, how you, you do your marriage, how you do your job, your finance, how you live day to day. I'm trying to catch all of you, okay? So somebody to go, oh, my God, he's looking right at me. I know he was. No, I'm looking at all of you because I've found most people will not spend time with God. And it is, it is so sad. All right, the whole time, that's, that's one of those main things that Jesus did for you was made a way so at any given time you have access to the Father, regardless of what just happened. See, what just happened might get changed if you hang out with Him. You know, the day before I made the decision, I'm going all the way with God, I told my wife, I want nothing to do with this Jesus stuff. It was about a year or so. No, no. <laughs> it was way in the beginning when this whole thing started, 30-some years ago. I told her, I said, I don't want anything to do with this Jesus stuff. Of course, she goes in and prays. And because of now I'm on the couch... I started praying. (laughs) And you know something? Something happened. And the next day was a different day for me. And it's been different ever since. I had a Kairos moment where I knew in my heart serving God is the only way we're going to make it. It's the only way I'm going to make it. And that decision was made. It was like there was, the, there was the empowerment there to be able to follow through with it. And it only came because I took a time to actually communicate. And maybe I went to him for the wrong reasons, but I went to him. You don't think God doesn't know? You think God walking through the garden was wondering, I wonder where Adam and Eve are. Why aren't they talking to me? They, he knew everything that happened. He knows everything going on in your life. And there ain't nothing about your life that surprised him so much that he's standing back going, I don't even know how to deal with this. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what it's going to take. He knows exactly what you need to pray. Did you get something today? Amen. Let's spend some time with God. Amen? Amen? Let's spend some time with God. Let's communicate with Him. Amen? Amen. Did you get some? Come on, stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.